I think education is power. At the end of the day, we need to stop behaving like sheep that are being led by one clever dog. Hello everyone this is Asif and you're listening to Hello Educator. I want to wish all you listeners out there a very happy Pongal and a very happy new year. In this episode you'll be listening to Pail Molur. She's a wildlife educator. She has done a lot of uh, teacher training workshops, children's workshop on wildlife conservation under the banner Wild. Prior to this she was working as a scriptwriter and a researcher for uh, wildlife documentaries. So let's go ahead and listen to her. Hi Pail, uh, welcome to the show. Hi Asif, thanks for inviting me. Can you talk a little bit about yourself? What do you do currently? I'm basically a conservation educator, but I also do things like breaking down science, wildlife science for the masses, so in terms of teaching, of course, um in the terms of uh, building curriculum which can be used in schools used by teachers and so on everything wildlife based um as well as uh, making signboards uh, which could be used in a museum or used in a national park or in a biodiversity park uh, again for education so anything to do with wildlife education basically is what i do yeah right i know that you've been a script writer Yes. you've been traveling around india and you know uh, doing a lot of research on what topics you know you can make a story around in wildlife from there to getting into wildlife education how did that transformation actually happen basically even as a child i wanted to work with animals but i'm talking about a time when somebody came to me when i was 10 or 11 years old and showed me these big books that you had to do to become a veterinary doctor which is what i wanted okay and i was horrible in studying couldn't okay. handle it okay and then when i reached 10th i think 10th or 11th um discovery channel came into india discovery and national geographic and that kind of um, i said okay i want to work here i want and you know all biodiversity films and all that so from there i got into the film line okay did that for 6 years by the end of the 6 years it was my scripts all sounded the same death destruction okay um, you know uh, endangered right uh, brink of extinction so mm. on and so forth pollution mm. you know everything and it brought me down quite a bit okay i felt that the videos must be reaching a large audience it was doordarshan discovery and so on but there was no direct feedback there was okay. no direct anything impact okay. so then i decided to try my hand at I, actually the company i was working with for wildlife week in october the first week okay they had some wildlife films on lions of gear and they said why don't you show the kids and do some program okay okay i was in delhi so i went did it and i found that i truly enjoyed the instant gratification i was getting from the kids with okay. the games i was playing and the information and the questions they asked okay and i really enjoyed that from there i said okay this is what i think i want to do okay and i actually contacted sally walker from zoo outreach okay Uh, I knew her because I'd interviewed her over the phone a couple of years prior to that when I was doing a story on zoos. Okay. And I told her I want to do zoo education. She okay. said, "But you can't do that in India because usually it's given to a biologist or to somebody who's already working at the zoo." Okay. And it's a government job, so to speak. So you can't do that. But I pestered her for almost a year. In the meantime, I started building curriculum. I started knocking on school doors trying to get in. to do some programs and one or two schools let me in most schools say oh but you're not an emed you're not a bed you're not right. a zoologist you're nothing right. yeah. slam the door in your face but we persisted a friend of mine and i a girl called nafisa and i kept after sally i should keep writing to her okay so finally one day she called up and she said we've got uh, the wildlife conservation society of new york coming in okay with teachers for tigers it's a program okay where we're te- training trainers on how to teach about tigers yeah if you want to come right bought the next ticket <laughs> chennai <laughs> nice. and i've never looked back after that that was really okay. a good ground okay you don't have a background in uh, zoology or biology mm. per se uh, but then your interest bear into wildlife and your background is in uh, media as such so sally walker for that matter how did she uh, agree to you know uh, work with you in the first place but she doesn't have a background in zoology either 
I think she's history. I don't remember what uh, that Sanjay would know better. But okay. the point was, it's also interest-driven. So because I couldn't study zoology or I couldn't um, do any of that, I would read about animals. I read lots of books on animals, like Gerald Durrell and James Herriot, and you know any. But you wrote about animals. I would read up. Or, okay. Um, I was, my grandfather very nicely gave me a two-year subscription to National Geographic as a birthday gift in those days when it was very expensive. Okay. Uh, an aunt of mine from the U.S. sent me some books that she picked up at a second-hand bookshop. So you know, people, mm. my entire family knew I was mad about animals. Okay. So they and my parents never stopped me. They encouraged me as much as I wanted. So mm. I had a lot of material. Mm. And like I said, by then discovery and all that had come in, and I would watch incessantly. David Attenborough is like, okay. my God. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, he's super, uh, the thing for wildlife. Basically, it stemmed from there. So when I came for Teachers for Tigers, it's about teaching. It's not necessarily about the animal. I mean, it is. But if you can tell someone, okay, when you talk about a tiger, you teach like this, then it's in your head, you just do it. I mean, maybe I just have an aptitude for teaching. I don't know. Okay. But the thing is that because I love wildlife so much, I want, I mean, I'm, I'm so fascinated by it that I just assume that every child will be fascinated when we talk about it right. in a certain manner. So, okay. so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Teachers for Tigers, what it is. Uh, just give us a background now to our uh, listeners about uh, teachers, teachers for Tigers. tigers. Okay. So Teachers for Tigers came into India in 2003, 2002, 2003, December, Jan. And it was a program that the Wildlife Conservation Society of New York, which runs the Bronx Zoo and uh, Prospect Park Zoo and all that, they had developed over seven years with teachers and with uh, George Schaller and with a whole bunch of tiger experts, Ulas Karant and all that, teaching about tigers. I believe that it was supposed to go to China. But fortunately for us, not for them, bird flu or something happened. So they moved the entire program to India. Okay. And uh, they'd heard of zoo outreach and all the education program that they were doing. I think they were one of the few organizations at that time okay. that were doing it at such a fantastic stage. And disseminating information to zoos mm. free of cost on wildlife and education and so on. Mm. So, so I think they contacted Sally and uh, said, can we do this program? And um, so it was really amazing. It was a five-day program. The first one that they did. With, and they did the first one in Coimbatore with teachers. Okay. And then they did it with other people, zoo personnel, people like me who want okay. to get into the field, other NGOs who, uh, you know, people who were getting into wildlife education. And they held it in Chennai at the zoo there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this book which has different elements of teaching about tigers. Okay. But it's a beautiful, beautiful, it's in five units. And the beauty of it is that the first three units just teach you about the awesomeness of this animal. From its biology point of view, from its stripes, from its colors, it breaks it down for kids all the way from a seven-year-old child all the way up to college if you want. Okay. And it also then goes into a little bit of research. Okay. So how Ulas Karanth did radio tracking or how you do you know, uh, uh, pug mark method, what are the methods of studying right. the tigers, mm. what are the problems, and finally the last chapter deals with solutions. Okay. And the importance of saving this animal. So the okay. nice thing about it is, it's not jumping into conservation straight away, it's first right. getting you to say, ooh, awesome okay. animal. Right. Then from yourself you're saying, ooh, but it's endangered. Yeah. Oh, what can I do to help? Right. So it takes you through this fantastic journey. And what I really like about Teachers for Tigers is that it can be it's also been made in a manner that it can be used in any rural or urban setting. Okay. So there's no technology per se with it. You can Mm. use if you want. Mm. But if you're working in a village where there's no electricity or it's, you know, a place where people don't have computers or Mm. whatever, Mm. you can still do Teachers for Tigers very easily. Okay. So that's the beauty of the program. Okay. Is it uh, freely available for every one of us to use it or how do we enroll ourselves um, actually, I'm not too sure about the answer for that one. Okay. <laughs> because usually you are, it is freely available that way. It's not that, but it's not like you can buy it in a shop and you can just use it. Right. What comes with it also is the technique of how to use the book. Right. Which we, is what we do as trainers. Mm-hmm. It's train the trainers program. Right. So it started in 2003 and in 2004 it continued. We did it all over tiger reserve areas in India. Okay. Bhopal and Madhya, you know, all these places, Madhya Pradesh and went to Penj, we went to all over the place. And then it went 
it was translated into I think 11 or 12 different languages. Okay. It went to Bangladesh. We, we did it all across Bangladesh along the Sundarbans. That was amazing. We did it on a boat. It was really fun. Mm. And uh, then uh, in 2005, we also did it. And 2006, we also did it in the northeastern states. Right. So, Assam, we did uh, six back-to-back workshops. Mm. We've trained a lot of people. Now, those guys are also eligible to train other teachers. Okay. If they've taken on the program properly. Mm-hmm. So at that time, we were providing all the material also. There were tiger packets which had masks and games to play with the children. It had the book. And we would actually teach you how to use the book, which is what they did for us. Okay. So I'm not so sure. I think you should be able to get it online maybe. Right. But yeah. I'm not sure now. Like I know Zoo Outreach still continues with the program. Mm. Um, and that they're doing one in the Northeast again. Mm. Whenever we get the grant. Because things we don't want to charge anyone for this. Right. So whenever grants are available, we run the program. Okay. And the, the other advantage of, one of the main reasons that we do that is that a teacher, for example, mm. is teaching the whole year in the school. Okay. Teachers for Tigers is yeah. not a one-week thing you do with kids. Correct. It's broken up in a way that you can integrate it with math, science, English, geography, mm. and teach it through the year. Right. So that is the beauty of it. Also, another initiative I saw that you've been uh, working on is the Lively Waters. Yeah. So, what is Lively Waters? Like, what is the work that you're doing? And uh, give us a little insight on that. Lively Waters. Okay. So, Lively Waters is, again, Zoo zoo Outreach and Wild um, Initiative. And basically, it is to bring our waters back to life. And as you know, water is the most one of the most important things that mm. human or any any living thing needs. But what we're doing to all our waters, fresh waters, mm. is uh, not good, <laughs> to put it mildly. Mm. I think what we feel on the team also and what Sanjay had come up with is that it needs to be a citizen program, a citizen science program. Okay. Not just to bring it back to life, but to firstly understand it, so that you bring it back to life the correct way. Mm. So it's very easy to say, oh, let's clean up the water and let's take this. But you need to know firstly, what was happening to the water, mm. what lived there, what biodiversity is there, what plants are there, animals are there and so on. And then once you know, you can mm. bring it back to life. Right. And it's very hard to go to the politicians and to go top down. Mm. Whereas if you're doing it both ways, someone's doing policy, somebody's doing uh, action at that end and somebody's mm. also driving it from the bottom end. Uh, then it is more likely that you'll be able to save a river mm. or save a lake or save any freshwater body for that mm. matter. So Lively Waters is basically that, to bring waters back to life, mm. thereby to give us life. Mm. It's a four-pronged approach. One of the things that I'm working on out of those is the yeah. education aspect. Okay. We have policy, we have action, we mm. have research mm. and conservation education. Okay. So I'm working on the conservation education part of that. Okay. Can you share your uh, experience uh, as a trainer in uh, Teachers for Tigers? Any any interesting uh, incidents oh that gosh. had happened? Well, one of the most fun, like okay. I said, was in Bangladesh when we were doing it on a boat. We spent a whole uh, five, six days on a boat. All the teachers, all the trainers and going down the Sundarbans on the Bangladesh side. Mm. That I think has been one of the most fascinating things to see untouched habitat okay and then to be talking about you know so there's one of the games that we play there mm-hmm. is to talk about how in research mm-hmm. how a researcher uh, takes a plaster cast mm-hmm. of a paw print by using plaster of paris okay so we actually show them how you take plaster of paris you pour it into the pug mark mm-hmm. and then when it sets you take it out right and then, you know, so it's fun for the kids to compare yeah, a dog's yeah. paw or a tiger paw, your own hand and to make right. these. Pla- so that's one of the games yeah. that we play. And that also then you, it leads into how researchers used to compare paw prints and mm. why that particular methodology works or doesn't work mm. or so on. And here at Sundarbans, we're talking about it. And suddenly the guide says, there's a real paw print over there. And so we actually <laughs> did a real paw print. And I mean, okay. you know, it's just so fascinating yeah. to be able to actually in the field show the teacher something like that. Okay. So that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one, which I think for Teachers for Tigers was being in um, KMTR uh, Tiger Reserve, the Kalakad Manutarai Tiger Reserve, not only getting to see the tiger there, Mm -hmm. but we were able to go out in a night safari, all the trainers again, and the teachers who had come. And uh, for the first time, I saw a porcupine, I saw a bear, I saw a night jar, I saw frog mouth, and all sorts of species that we talk about in the book. Okay. 
but i've never really seen in the seen, wild yeah. so the ones all the workshops that were done at the tiger reserves mm-hmm. as opposed to say doing it in a school or a museum mm. had a certain charm that was very exciting very okay. very exciting and then of course living off a bus for 3 weeks we were on a bus going from place to place doing it mm-hmm. and sleeping where we could and eating whatever we could get you know so it's um, it was a good life <laughs> yeah, it sounds very exciting <laughs> it was it was you've uh, spent a lot of time in uh, nagaland yeah uh, training teachers you know doing workshops for children and all that uh, let's talk a little bit on that nagaland is a long story <laughs> <laughs> so nagaland was my first independent long term workshop after teachers for tigers okay so it began because a friend of mine a lady called rita banerji okay she runs a production house called dusty foot productions in delhi okay i used to work with her when i was uh, in films mm-hmm. and we've been in touch close friends and um, she was doing a story with somebody on in the northeast mm-hmm. on rehabilitation of tiger uh, of uh, sorry bear cubs okay they were it was an orphanage for bear cubs mm-hmm. and they were getting a lot of bear cubs and so she decided to do a film on that mm-hmm. as to why were there so many bear cubs okay and uh, halfway through the film they ran out of money okay so she applied for a grant hmm. to somebody in the netherlands and they said look but yours is a commercial venture we can give you the grant but you need a social thing with it okay so she gave me a call and said can we do something i said yeah let's do education because okay. the whole thing of why there were so many bear cubs was okay. because over there they hunt wild meat okay and a lot of the and also they hunt not just to eat it okay but they were hunting the bear because there's a belief mm-hmm. that bear bile yeah can cure yeah right a whole bunch yeah. of things which of course is not true mm. scientifically been proven that is not true uh, but a lot of mother bears were being killed and the bear cubs mm. were left behind so using that as the take off point mm-hmm. we found that she found that mm-hmm. nagaland and arunachal pradesh were the two highest hunting grounds so mm. to speak so those were the ideal locations to do something mm. and because i was fresh out of teachers for tigers right i um, felt that doing a manual mm. specific to the northeast okay with northeastern animals mm-hmm. but using that style of wonder mm. research conserve uh, problem Probably, conservation yeah. would work mm. so we spent i think about 6 months getting the material okay and then we created the manual mm-hmm. got some local artists to do the artwork for us okay and again decided to keep it so simple because over there again electricity is a problem there's no technology it's very rural area mm. so that it could be used anywhere by anyone and then we went in and did the program okay you have set up uh, different types of clubs within nagaland so what we've done is uh, what we did is we started in a place called chizami so okay. beautiful beautiful cute little village uh, in fek district of nagaland okay and we were very uh, lucky and also you can't just go in and teach you mm-hmm. need a local ngo or a local body mm-hmm. who can take you in mm-hmm. so we were very lucky because northeast network which is the ngo in chizami mm. are people from chizami and a fantastic lady called seno who runs the place okay and who's really passionate about her work mm. and her second in command akole at that time now akole is taken over but okay. akole was a second in command and uh, so we went and met them mm. i showed them a lot of the material that we'd used for teachers for tigers and some of the other education stuff that i'd got from zoo mm. outreach and they immediately caught on and said yes our kids need this okay you know and they actually work on women's rights mm. uh, farmers indigenous knowledge mm. they do things on uh, they have something called chizami weaves where they make okay. very nice tablecloths and all that right so they're doing everything they can to uplift the village okay so they realize that this is a very good method mm. so we jointly applied for the grant i in fact used their help to make the manual because i had to understand what the what they were about mm. and the other important thing about a place like nagaland to understand is that uh, more than 60% of the land does not belong to the government it belongs to the people okay uh, if you don't educate the people they're not going to protect the land okay and they have community conservation areas and things like that which mm. have to be harnessed we spent 6 months i spent time with a very nice really old hunter who mm. had seen bears and tigers and all that and he knew this they they talk a different language right mm, yeah it's a particular tribe over there a single tribe so they speak their own chakisan language okay so they had got me a whole bunch of animals and stories but in 
local lingo okay so then we went there and he would say okay it's got like a long nose and it's brown mm. and it's you know got this mm. and the other and then i had taken all the reference guides and books and he would flip through it and say okay fine must be some kind mm. of a deer and then i would show him okay. and then he say yeah it's this and then we'd get the name and there were a couple mm. of animals he mentioned mm-hmm. which i couldn't figure out what they were okay uh, so for example he talked about uh, and we saw a hog badger it was an amazing experience actually okay and uh, so once the manual came up we went back and we left everything to northeast network to decide who they wanted to invite okay so they called teachers they mm-hmm. called sunday school teachers they called the over there what they have as a head panchayat is known as the head gambura okay so they called the head gamburas what they have is between like we have colon- rows in our colony right. so they have what's called kills kills okay. so each kill has a head they okay. call the heads of that okay then they have a youth leader So they called like a bunch of people. Mm. There were about thirty of them, mm-hmm. and we ran a four-day workshop using the new manual. Okay. Using Teachers for Tigers. Okay. There's a uh, NGO called uh, NCF. Okay. In Mysore, okay. they're working in Pakhe and in Arunachal Pradesh, and they'd mm. come out with a little booklet. Okay. On different animals and their behaviors. So mm. we got that book from them. They gave us twenty mm. copies, mm. and using that book, and okay. we ran the program. During uh, that tenure, have hunters been of any use to you? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, we met this old hunter yeah. who gave us a lot of information, but we also met young hunters, mm. and it's interesting to see the difference in their stories. So, the old hunter would talk about amazing animals. The young ones mostly knew squirrels, a mm. few birds. Mm. They didn't know any of the mammals. They didn't know any mm. of the snakes. They didn't know anything else. Mm. They'd never seen them because they've been hunted out. I I want to reframe that question actually. Okay. Are they willing to help? Is uh, my question. Okay, so like, apart the, from the old no, so hunter, I'll you, yeah. I'll tell you what it. happened. At that time, we had to be very careful, even now. But what we did was, after the training, we started the eco club over there, and the first batch of kids that we had in their third year mm-hmm. were to do a full fledged research mm-hmm. on a topic that we chose for them. Okay. And the first topic we chose. was changes in hunting practices in chizami over time okay and they actually did a fantastic research which is available was published in journal of threatened taxa peer okay. reviewed mm-hmm. um which actually talks about how the hunters feel mm. and they had questionnaires they had a polling booth they had mm. all kinds of things so mm. if you read the results of that it's interesting that quite a few of the hunters not willing to help per se but they said if you give us something else to do we'll do it we do it because we're bored mm. not all of them do it because they're hungry or something mm. they like the taste of the wild meat okay and rita finally finished the film it's called the wild meat trail if you see the film also there on camera they've got it but okay. i don't know if you understand hindi but they say something like bandook kiske liye banaya so why did you make right. a gun but to kill animals Mm. So you know the psychology is not mm. necessary and then they've got like baskets of birds mm. 50 60 rupees a bundle mm. and the meat would probably be like not even a potato size mm. you can read the paper there's a link on the journal's website you can check it out and you can put the link yeah. of course the other thing is that the spin off from there was because we did that and then we had a second batch of kids and we had people like uh, this amazing character nilesh nilesh dahanukar from isa Okay. Uh, and he's a game theorist, and he's a biologist, and he's a statistician, and he's a taxonomist, and blah blah blah. Through lively waters, mm. he came to Nagaland mm. and did a whole freshwater biodiversity fish thing okay. with the kids. And at that time, we had taken um, pH meters and okay. sechi discs, and you know, oh. so got the kids to see that in their own rivers and start monitoring okay. the rivers. So batch two started doing lively waters and monitoring mm. rivers. Mm. So that is what's happening now, and the next thing will be some other project. So each team that goes up, and mm. we try, and we've also taught them photography. We've taught them documentary making. Mm. So we've tried to do all these different things. So the kids at least do not grow up to be hunters. Mm. The existing hunters, there are three kinds. One that is hunting like the bear bile, who's a poacher. Right. He is not going to stop. He's looking for the big bucks, and we had a few around who were very. may nice and all but you know stay back and be careful there's one group that's doing it because they're bored they've nothing else to do mm. and then the kids who do it okay, okay. kids kids now what happens is they basically a farming community okay most of them do mm. that they farm maybe twice maybe thrice maybe four times in the year mm. 
harvest and mm-hmm. actually and for the rest of the year the boys are bored like anywhere else in india mm-hmm. the girls do all the housework look after the babies do this mm-hmm. the boys are sitting around and saying okay let's go off what do we do and <laughs> each of them will have a catapult mm-hmm. and will have a bow and arrow okay. and they'll do something and to tell an interesting story in fact when we were doing the workshop the first first time on the second day one of the trainers came up to me and said uh, so and i was talking about birds in my garden and peacocks and you yeah. know, all that and he says so ma'am this over the lunch break he says so ma'am you don't feel like eating it when you see it <laughs> and i just looked at him and i was like um no <laughs> but it taught me a very valuable lesson when i explain a bird to any of my to my daughter or to any of the kids i'll say look at the colors look at the feathers this mm. is how it makes its nest when he sees it he says it's a large bird this is what weapon you would use to kill it this is the pot you would use to cook it in mm. so the essence of the teaching mm. from a young age is different so the kid doesn't know the bird is anything else but food mm. so that is what we went into change and a spin off from there was after we did the workshop we got the kids going we got the second club going in another place called wokha okay. doyang there's a reservoir there in nagaland itself. in nagaland itself in another district okay and there was um, there's a bird called the amur falcon that comes all the way from mongolia flies across 14 countries and goes down to south africa mm. and on the way nagaland is a halfway point for it where it stops okay and it was getting hunted So there's a group uh, called uh, Conservation India. Okay. And uh, they had gone with Banu Hiralo and Ramki and they'd all gone there and they witnessed massacre of these animals. Okay. Like millions and millions of them. So they called us up and said can we you know can you come into the program there? Mm. So the following year we created material for there. and then by then they had got a ban and they had everything but you can do a ban but the villagers yeah. are going to get angry right. and they're going to do yeah. it you know so unless you educate them to do it so uh, friends of the amur falcon was started mm. and we went there and we're doing it in four villages over there and then after that we got called to another place called where they wanted to train in two more places so we went there and did it and okay. the key is not just wildlife education but photography documentary making documentation research biodiversity registers right so that they're doing a, larger broader understanding mm-hmm. of the environment around them talking about the f- photography part um, i remember you had uh, shown a book that contains uh, photographs of butterflies yeah. that were shot by the children in uh, nagaland yeah uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit about the experience that you had with the children there yeah so the first year and second year project was that that they would come up with something that was because you can't just teach the kids you want that to filter down to the community right okay and we're just using the kids also to do that so in the second year they had learned quite a bit of photography by then and we had um, a brilliant butterfly expert a guy called sanjay sondi from titli trust he's in dehradun okay so he was roped in and he came so it's very very diverse group of people uh, right. who keep going from all over it's not just me or you know the whole bunch of us So Rita Gursharan and Shilpi and that gang they mm-hmm. handle from Dusty Food Productions and uh, other people they handle the uh, photography and the doc- that part okay. the video Sanjay Sondi and I handle the biodiversity and the documentation the research and the conservation part Okay so he had come and given them a fantastic lesson on moths and butterflies Okay and amphibians and so the f- that is something that you see they're not going to hunt a butterfly so hopefully <laughs> so <laughs> so you never know but um they don't do that so yeah. in the first year they documented 119 or 100 something odd species and they again came up with a checklist which got published and then they said okay there's so many and they got they they learned quite a bit of macro photography by then so we said let's publish a little booklet for them okay so that was the next project in the second year and we found there were 215 butterfly species including one new description or and one or two range extinctions that got published from there okay and one of our trainers a guy called Tetsalo Naro he turned out to be so passionate about butterflies and photography and he took some amazing pictures okay so and peter the other guy who does uh, photography as well these are our trainers mm. we trained mm. who handle the kids he got into dragonflies and into beetles mm. and frogs So between them we had this fantastic huge bank of photographs 
okay from the kids from the trainers and uh, so we published 215 species a little field guide that can be slipped into the pocket mm, yeah the idea being that tomorrow you want to go to nagaland i would say you know what go to chizami you'll have a fantastic life experience of seeing butterflies and birds over there okay. and you will have trained children mm. who will tell you what you're looking at it it's becomes fantastic. a tourist destination from that point of view perfect that is our next goal okay so you know that's how you i mean th- then that gets an in income that gets in okay i don't need to hunt because i'm getting income from this right. i'm not bored right and encourages others to do it so it takes a lot of years probably generations to uh, change the attitude yeah it does it does it takes a lot and it needs success stories like this so like one of the kids uh, got a prize in some international competition and got 6000 rupees and right. he was a hero because it's a village where an yeah. average family of five makes 3 or 4000 rupees in a month mm. so it's a huge deal yes. it's a huge yes. deal so now we are talking about conservation traveling around india and you know doing conservation workshops and all that how do you uh, ensure that you know this keeps on uh, happening within the villages itself so oh that's a very tough <laughs> that's really tough there there a lot of hurdles the biggest one being finance uh because they don't have any we don't want them to pay for it obviously so that is one of the biggest hurdles the minute we have grants so we have someone sweetly enough saying okay here you know take mm-hmm. some money we had, we had a lot of people who donated old cameras mm-hmm. donated old computers uh, donated binoculars mm-hmm. uh, and we had a in the first batch second year we couldn't afford it but the first batch got a backpack okay and in that it had they don't mm-hmm. even have a pencil you know so mm-hmm. pencils and uh, all of them we equipped libraries mm-hmm. with the bird guide book the you know mm-hmm. any guide book for, mm-hmm. from india for, mm-hmm. especially from the northeast that we could mm-hmm. get our hands on so all of them have libraries but the motivation part like especially in woka mm-hmm. in the doyang area we find that the trainers get demotivated very easily because they're not getting as much support from the village okay a lot of politics and you know village okay. politics whereas in northeast network also because of like over there they managed to get the head gamburas to mm-hmm. come together and actually declare 2000 acres of land as community conservation forest Okay. But if somebody even walks with a knife in their pocket they can be charged 2000 rupees to 10000 rupees mm-hmm. which is a huge amount mm-hmm. so over the last 3 years mm-hmm. it has dwindled we haven't been able to form a third group okay because of financial constraints mm-hmm. because one of the trainers decided he wanted to do something else or okay. because uh, after that what mm-hmm. that's one of the failings of the program at the moment okay um, which we're trying to address mm-hmm. we took the kids we found okay here's an interesting thing again that because we were teaching them science biology mm-hmm. zoology and photography mm-hmm. their physics chemistry math geography shot up their english shot up in school okay. their grades improved okay okay so the parents were very happy these are from mm-hmm. three different schools right parents were very happy but in that village after class 10 mm-hmm. there is no college okay. you have to go all the way to kohima okay and only parents who could afford to send their children to kohima mm-hmm. were going to let them study after class 10 okay okay so the second thing is that even if they wanted they did get to go to kohima there mm-hmm. were only one or two at that time i don't know about now science colleges okay and the competition was fierce okay so here we take these kids up to a certain level mm-hmm. and then yeah give them a certificate tata bye bye not right so that is something which especially in the northeastern states is an issue and so we've been trying to say okay let's try and get individual funding for the top 5 kids mm. to do photography or science mm. whichever one mm. they want because that's what we teach yeah as the whole thing it's it's you know it's a challenge it's a challenge um i've been to the northeast um even as a you uh, know traveler you are treated as an outsider although yeah. the northeast people are like very warm and welcoming i i really uh, admire in them but then you you are you feel that you are an outsider so now as a educator you go there and you know help the community uh, so you need to break a certain barrier so uh, what are the challenges that you faced in that uh, specific well thing? like i said because we went through northeast network for okay. chizami hmm. i think we had a very nice fantastic and those people are amazing the entire team is hmm. mind blowing i give complete credit to them for the success of our program in woka we don't have a northeast network okay we have banu uh, they have the nagaland biodiversity wildlife trust but she's not from that particular village banu herself 
uh, amazing lady she's doing amazing work okay uh, she used to be with ntv and all but politics there has played a huge part because we're not from the community she's not from the community and being around this bird and around the whole thing so there's a fisherman's community there's something else there's something i mean there's a whole bunch of politics so there i won't say it's not a success but it's not as much of a success as chizami was or is so there i definitely feel you know i'm i'm a little nervous mm. in chizami because of northeast network we've not faced any issues at all touch wood okay but they've also been very very clever mm-hmm. and very organized okay so uh, like we also went to a place called kohima konoma okay the first green village of nagaland it's supposed to be okay they had stopped hunting in a particular area for over 10 years and they had mm-hmm. a whole bunch of animals come back it was really amazing we, we weren't able to break ground there mm-hmm. too much but there's another one in uh, saloki is doing it in his village and it's really really remote like in the monsoons you have to walk 3 kilometers to get to the village you can't even take a car or anything there with the youth he's doing amazing work okay. in his village so it's really dependent on the local people absolutely hmm. for it to work let's uh, come back to the current education system in the schools per se we have uh, do you think the content for wildlife conservation especially is uh, sufficient for the school system and uh, if not uh, what are the aspects you think will be will be very beneficial apart from you know going for training and all that certain small aspects are there well very frankly um i've seen the cbse systems i've seen the igcse systems mm-hmm. um i haven't seen icici ic icsc sorry uh, and um so i've seen some of the systems of the school but and i think i've seen a little bit of the matriculation not too much okay. and again i'm talking about grades 5 6 and 7 because that's what i've done in coimbatore and what i've done in bangalore and in delhi it's not bad but it's not enough okay now if i had an option i would integrate it in two ways mm-hmm. one is i would make sure biodiversity and wildlife biology comes in all subjects okay to give you an example you have to write an essay don't just write about the tiger don't just write about mahatma gandhi get the kids to do research and write about a little frog found somewhere in the middle of western ghats perfect mm. okay that will challenge them to look for information to talk to researchers not just go to the net and to write an essay mm. we're making it too easy for them sometimes to write about mahatma gandhi equally important mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing is not but uh, you know there's so much more out there the second thing that i would do is so so for the same with math same with geography Mm-hmm. So you're talking about geography. You're teaching about landscape. Yeah. Bring in wildlife. Bring in ecosystems into that. Right. The problem with the system that we use now is that everything is separate. Math is separate. English is separate. Correct. Geography is. You know, everything is. Yeah. Uh, they're not integrated. The other thing is that I would um, I would bring in wildlife studies as, as a subject. A okay. In schools, completely as a separate subject. with a researcher or an educator or a zoologist running it or a team of people so that's what we're doing at camford mm-hmm. that is what we're doing at yellow train school camford international school i've been doing it for 6 years they've been really good about it they've been amazing mm-hmm. it started off as eco clubs and then they maybe do the whole of grade 6 and 7 then the whole of grade 5 mm-hmm. and they've been really amazing because they've allowed me to run my own curriculum okay loosely based around their evs mm-hmm. okay. environmental yeah, studies but because i teach about indian biodiversity and again what they found and i think that's why they allow me to continue mm-hmm. uh, and you know we've touched wood it's been good so far uh, is that because i bring in math geography science mm-hmm. into my wildlife and english more importantly along the way somewhere the kids are getting the whole thing i think that's very important the other thing is that i think hands on we're not doing enough hands on stuff we're doing it with garbage right we're doing it with segregation mm-hmm. we're doing it with compost we're doing it with medicinal plants mm-hmm. we're not doing it with biodiversity to give you a simple example one of the lessons that i always start and i tell my kids when i start off mm-hmm. i do a little feedback so i get to know the kids a little bit and i always ask them what animals do you have at home mm-hmm. and at least half of them will say either fish or parrot okay or some lovebird lovebirds right some sort of a bird cats and dogs of course that is different and yeah. about wild animals 
and they know nothing about the species right. it's cute we've put in a cage we've put in a aquarium but they know nothing about mm. the fish and it's so dangerous mm. because they'll have in they'll have uh, certain turtle species that shouldn't be existing in india right and then they bring diseases and then you'll have certain birds or you'll have certain and then they say oh now we can't feed the lovebird they'll open the cage let it fly off it's not going to survive you know mm. so i always at the end one of my conservation things at the end of say 3 months of getting them to love mm-hmm. animals and understand mm-hmm. wildlife and all is to say look guys next time mm-hmm. think twice before you bring an animal home to keep it in a cage mm-hmm. you must do it edu- in an educated manner you must understand mm-hmm. that to bring that one grey parakeet from or grey parrot from mm-hmm. africa into your homes or from you know argentina getting a macaw whatever mm-hmm. it is you're getting these fancy yeah. you're paying 2 lakhs for it 1 mm-hmm. and a half lakhs for it i can guarantee 50 birds have died to get that one bird to your house because they're being stuffed in bottles they're being torn from their homes they're being shipped illegally into the country mm-hmm. just for you to have that one bird in your house who'll say hello polly or <laughs> something right as cute but think of the consequences so one of the other things which is a pet subject that i teach mm. i'm digressing a bit here but i think it's important Go on. is that kite flying great fun great teaching tool but with manja and with putting that glass stuff and all on it the number of bird deaths bat deaths squirrel deaths it gets stuck in the tree you leave it there an animal just walks past it the necks are cut it's a terrible painful horrible death birds fly into it wings get slashed and mm. places like where you have the kite festival mm. in the north i've seen some horrible cases so i'm not stopping you from flying your kite but clean up right that's all i'm saying of course fly the kite clean up these are uh, you know a lot of uh, insightful data that i'm getting to know for the first time <laughs> i'm glad uh, well, we've been talking for a Yeah. really long time and yeah. we have never discussed about it now we keep on saying wildlife conservation biodiversity um, native species invasive species all those things like why do we need to know about this in the first place what is conservation and what what is the need for it in the new age in any age i think not just new age but right it's still circle of life tomorrow if every single human being got wiped out of the planet nothing would happen but if you were to wipe out every ant species or every ant or every beetle the planet would collapse within months probably they provide a service that there's no way human beings could duplicate no matter how much we tried correct so apart from keeping the forests alive we need to know about wildlife mm. domestic animals are not going to do it we cannot do it and the only way you can conserve is if you understand it the only way you'll understand it or take the effort to understand it right is if you love it and the only way you love it is if someone's taught you about it so that is why conservation education is so important perfect so as a layman like now now you are trained in wildlife education you've been doing workshops you are you're also training the teachers yeah what are the little things that i can do from my side uh, to help in uh, conservation lots of things actually little, little things one is to read learn watch and now india is like blooming with good uh, wildlife stuff documentaries and so on not the sensational stuff that's one of the reasons i got out i didn't want to make a film where only because the crocodile will come and bite you i'm going to make that film <laughs> no i want to learn about the crocodile anyway one is to read up learn as much as possible about native species mm-hmm. native meaning comes from india lives in india deserves to be in india not non native the other thing is that to there are lot of commun- um, conservation science citizen science programs that you can join mm-hmm. some zoo outreach is doing like lively waters and so on we have the bird watching and so on the other ones are also like you have from ncf they have two three of them uh, for watching flowers for watching trees so you can join a citizen science program the other thing is that encouraging your children to join as many of these programs as possible there are a lot of them okay whether it's hiking whether it's camping whether mm-hmm. it is but keeping them connected with nature so as a lay person you can also do that um and finally to responsibly support programs that are scientifically driven 
just having a planting trees drive along river banks does not clean up the river you need to know what was happening on the river what was there originally to plant trees along every river bank would be disastrous for otters disastrous for gharials disastrous for turtles that need to lay their eggs on the river bank okay right you need to know you put certain kinds of tree species where the roots just suck up the water you need to know so just having drives plant 10000 trees we greened our school or we greened our uh, community in my house we've put only native we have all the birds we have like over 18 19 species of birds that come here butterflies is beautiful and everyone comes to my house and says oh how do you get this beautiful bird here you know mm. because i've put native plants for it to make a nest or to eat or whatever so understanding what you are doing in the environment around you so have a beautiful home have a beautiful garden but put native species you're helping wildlife so there are many many little little things like that which you can do which would you know don't just join a campaign because it's being done by somebody right understand the basics behind it understand the science behind it question it double check your facts and then join it donate uh, i think the biggest thing would be if citizens would start donating towards conservation of biodiversity because there is a huge dearth of financial aid for such programs because there's no direct visible gratification but long term i mean i hope i dread to think the world my child is going to adopt or get from us i've seen what my parents lived in when they would cycle to school no smoke i've been in delhi 20 years ago right beautiful and now every other day all you read about is pollution smog right every other child i know in delhi has breathing problems right what are their kids going to inherit so even in coimbatore for example there's lots happening the roads are being widened the you know there's traffic has increased in the 10 years i've been here the traffic has increased but mm-hmm. no one's doing anything about we're going to reach delhi very soon if we continue like this right so there are solutions there are scientific ways of doing it help those people help the city can you talk a little bit about the work that you're doing in coimbatore a uh, lot of different work <laughs> i freelance a lot so i've done uh, there's a nilgiri biosphere nature park which is in anakati so i'm helping them set up the education signages there again and basically to bring it up because it's a beautiful place over 350 native species of plants a very well educated staff on plants i mean they they know the plants they give you this fantastic talk most of coimbatore doesn't know about it so we're slowly trying to get that going again so i've done the signages for them and we're hoping to do more training programs there i like i said i'm working at the camford international school i mean it's as a school i think they've really opened their doors to wildlife conservation it's amazing because very few schools would have done that Right. So I really applaud them for that. Both the director and his wife. I mean, they're brilliant. So that's good. And Yellow Train School, uh, they last year grades seven, six, and seven built their own pond. They put native species of fish, and where they're monitoring it now. And so they have a whole biodiversity thing happening there. We're doing photography with them this year. Uh, they're maintaining a biodiversity register. So you know, it's it's really nice. And they're mapping what animals are found in their campus, wild animals. So that's happening, and I'm also working with Lively Waters with Zoo Outreach on Lively Waters, uh, so the Citizen Science Program and taking Lively Waters to different schools and different places. Yeah, lots happening with that. I think the there's so many interesting things that have happened in Coimbatore, but I think one of the best has been seeing both the schools. They're very different, mm. but both the schools and the kids embrace. the education program mm. and love it mm. okay so all the kids call me chirpy that's my okay uh, that's my name for any education program it's worked very well and you know it's um, it just it draws me back every time i enter the school i get a smile on my face and all the kids come and say chirpy you know we saw this animal you know we saw this we saw that it's so fantastic to see these kids finally noticing even the ant in their house even the spider in their house even the gecko and understanding it's not poisonous the gecko or the house lizard is not going to kill you or shoot poison at mm. you or whatever and it's safe and you know to see them change into their parents come up right and tell me that you know uh, you know he picks up lizard you know whatever you taught him <laughs> but it's it's also that wonder and that yeah. you know that fun thing so i mean uh, even for me as an adult this seems to be very uh, exciting i wish i was part of the yeah. program <laughs> i'll invite you next time <laughs> sure sure sure, sure. Okay. So this question I ask uh, 
everyone whom i interview what does education mean to you knowledge fun excitement curiosity i mean there's so many words i could give it passion i mean i just love it i uh, i'm very glad i changed my profession okay <laughs> 13 years 14 years ago <laughs> and did this in 2000 i think education is power at the end of the day we need to stop behaving like sheep that are being led by one clever dog we need to educate ourselves and we need to use that education correctly lot of young people are uh, getting into the education space they really want to transform uh, the future generation what would be your two cents to the people who are you know into the education uh, education field keep up to date i think that's the most that gets lost be current but don't forget the past keep the excitement going i think that's the most important thing because it can become very mundane it can become very boring uh, it can become very classroomy right. don't yeah. make it action based make it activity based get the kids out of the box i think they're being cooped up too much so i think even the educators need to make sure they stay out of the box and they keep the kids out of the box there's this amazing amazing documentary it's dr levy's levy's fourth grade project okay and it's set in boston and it's a video about how he took grade 4 and they took in bostonuses he asked the kids what has changed and they said that in the last they finally got around to mm. a bike path that had been made okay and the entire year they learned every subject under the sun using the bike path and at the end they even built their own cycle and they learned the whole mechanics of cycle making mm-hmm. so you should watch that documentary i think if every teacher taught like that mm-hmm. it would be amazing while it was fantastic talking to you i mean uh, you too thank you <laughs> i mean i i really uh, loved it i hope you uh, enjoyed it as well yeah no it is lovely talking to you yeah. and it's brought back i mean you know, just when i'm talking to you it's bringing back such amazing memories in my head also of things we've done and you know so um yeah thank you for that it's really great that you all are doing this thanks bye And that's it for today's episode. You can give us a follow on Twitter and SoundCloud and you can also subscribe to our newsletter so that you're the first one to get notified about our new episode releases. You can also participate in the uh, discussion over Reddit. All the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.